Welcome to Circle 3 Cowboy Fellowship's podcast. We are patriots, unafraid and unashamed to speak the truth and spread the gospel. Today's message is from Gary Lear. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the show. Okay, everybody, we're going to get started. Let's open with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day and we thank you for all these who have come and Lord, of course, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and what he's done for us on the cross and all that means to us. Lord, we thank you for being a God that, that uh, is forgiving and, and can offer us a future despite what's going on in the world around us, Lord. We thank you for that. We just pray, Lord, now that you be with us as we go to this service. Pray that you uh, watch over and guide us. We pray for the prayer requests of the church, Lord. There are folks out here tonight dealing with uh, illness and family issues and all types of problems, Lord, and we know that uh, you're the great physician. You know the, the, the needs of each and every one of the, the individuals I'm referring to, and Lord, I just pray that you would uh, watch over and guide them, give them them comfort as needed, and most of all, Lord, may your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right. Got a few announcements here. We've got barrel racing Monday nights happening at uh, 7.30. If you're interested in barrel racing or getting signed in for that, you need to talk to Jonathan or Mike Goodwin. Goodman, I'm sorry, Goodman. <laughs> uh, Wednesday night, the 22nd, the Montrose County Ropen will be held here in our arena. That'll be uh, the Sheffield event that normally holds out at the fairgrounds, but since the fair's all messed up this year, they're going to do it here. So there will be a team roping here this Wednesday night, 22nd at 6 o'clock. So come on out and have a hamburger with us and uh, watch a team open. Ladies' Bible study here at the church is going on on uh, Wednesday mornings at 9.30 a.m. August the 15th, we've got uh, Jim Connor and a Ropen here at the church. Jim Connor starts at 6, Ropen's going to start, excuse me, the Jim Connor starts at 10, the Ropen starts at 6. Mustang Milestones is going to be Saturday, August the 8th at 8.30 here. That is a wild Mustang show. If you're interested in that, uh, Diane would be the one to talk to on that deal. Uh, we've got um, Zoom Bible Study. Ladies' Zoom Bible Study is now on Tuesday evenings from 6.30 to 8. Uh, if you're interested in that, Stacy's got all the information on that. Then, of course, we've got coffee mugs for anyone who is new to the congregation and has not received a coffee mug. And we've got uh, kids' time now with Linda. So if you want to send your kids with Linda, now would be the time to do it. If you want to get rid of your kids, slip Linda 20, and she'll tie them to the fence out there. Be worth it, wouldn't it? Yeah. What a week we had in the arena. My goodness. Uh, this was not a good week in our arena. Thursday night, we had a fella got a loop around his horse's feet. And the horse plowed into the ground, nose first, shooting him like a missile straight into the ground on his face. And then the horse came clear up over himself and down on top of him and walked away. Thank God. Thank God. And uh, then I think Friday night, there was an injury, wasn't there? Somebody got hurt Friday night during the clinic. And, uh, and then last night, we were doing the jackpot for the clinicians, uh, for the clinic people. And we had a horse come out of the roping box, and it came out so hard, it broke its own leg just above the back knee. So 
We've had some troubles out there this week, and so uh, just need to remember to keep everybody who's using our arena, you know, in your prayers for safety. You know, horse sports are not safe sports necessarily. So, um, all right, let's see here. You know, um, lately there hasn't been much to watch on TV, has there? Kind of get sick of it. So I haven't watched much TV. I've gotten into reading books. And I know that's a shock to most of you because most of you didn't think I could read in the first place, but I can. And uh, the books that I tend to like to read the most are the Old West stories or the Mountain Man stories and, and things like that. You know, stories that talk about the way it was maybe 200 years ago. Um, stories of Indians and mountain men have interested, sparked my interest. And I've been reading a series on them lately. And uh, it got me to thinking about the Indians and what the Indians in this valley must have been like. You know, I've been working a lot up off of Last Dollar Road, right at the base of the North Pole Peak up here. And uh, from up there where I sat, you can look out all the way across Hastings Mesa and, and down into Sanborn Park, and you can see that whole area up across there. And, and I can't help but have my mind wonder what it would have looked like 200 years ago without the, the roofs that peek through the trees now and, and had been scattered with with herds of, of elk, and, you know, there's still a lot of elk up in there, but not like it would have been back then. And, uh, you know, and then, of course, Indian villages or bands of Indians out hunting, and, and it would have just been a whole different place. And I think about that often, and, and, and what life must have been like for the Indians. And so I did a little research, and most of you who have lived around here probably know this, and, and if you don't, you can go down to the Ute Indian Museum, I'm sure, and, and read all about it, but I pulled it up on the internet this morning, and it it says this, before settlers came to the Uncompahgre River Valley, it was home to the Ute Indians. Chief Uray was a Native American and chief of the Uncompahgre Band of the Ute Tribe. He and his wife, Chapita, worked to achieve peace between the Ute Indians and the white settlers. So they were a peaceful bunch, it sounds like. But apparently they weren't very successful because they're no longer here. And the Ute reservation is down in the four corners now somewhere. If you ever drive through that country, it's kind of desolate and barren. Compared to what they had up here, I don't necessarily think they got the best into that bargain. When you think about some of their summer grounds being up there where I'm working off of Last Dollar Road and possibly even up the San Miguel River into the basin where Telluride sets now, well, it seems that the millionaires and the billionaires came out on top of that deal and the Utes ended up getting the wasteland down there in the southwest corner. Not necessarily a wonderful deal, but that's the way it worked out, isn't it? But the Indians did not get a fair shake, did they? When you think about it, what happened to them and the way that they were, were removed from their ground simply for being different? I've got a transcript, a portion of a transcript written by uh, President Andrew Jackson back in 1830 to the Congress, and it says this. And suppose that the wandering savage has a stronger and supposed that the wandering savage has a stronger attachment to his home than the settled civilian, civilized Christians. It is more afflicting to him to leave the graves of his fathers than it is to our brothers and children. Rightly consider the policy of the general government toward the red man is not only liberal but generous. He is unwilling to submit to the laws of the state and mingle with their population. 
To save him from this alternative or perhaps utter annihilation, the general government kindly offers him, kindly, I like how they threw that in there, offers him a new home and proposes to pay the whole expense of his removal and settlement. Wow, what a deal. The government decided for the greater good of the Indian. Boy, that's a term we're beginning to hear a lot of, the greater good, isn't it? But he just, the government decided that for the greater good of the Indian, we'll uproot him from the good ground up in Sanborn Park, because that's where they summered, you see. They would summer up in there, they'd summer up in the mountains, and they would hunt, and their village would be up in there, and they'd do well, but then they'd come down here into the valley, and their camp was right in this area along the river, and that's where they would spend their winters. And I'm sitting here thinking, Ralph Lauren got a good chunk of their ground. That was a good deal for them, wasn't it? Ralph comes out once or twice a year, bosses everybody around, runs off whoever he can find to run off, and the Indians got Dolores, or not Dolores, uh, Ignacio, excuse me, Ignacio. That was a deal. But that's what the government wanted, and that's what the government got, right? General Winfield Scott Hancock, for example, reminded several Arapaho chiefs at Fort Dodge, that's out in Kansas, in 1867, you know well that the game is getting very scarce and that you must soon have some other means of living. You should therefore, therefore cultivate friendships of the white man so that when the game is all gone, they may take care of you if necessary. Boy, that was another good deal, wasn't it? The white man take care of them, put them on a reservation and would send them rotten meat, whiskey. That's, that's good for them. This was in 1867. Then in 1869, the Army Navy, Navy Journal reported, General Sherman remarked in conversation the other day that the quickest way to compel the Indians to settle down the civilized life was to send 10 regiments of soldiers onto the plains with orders to shoot buffalo until they became too scarce to support the redskins. So even back then, the government felt the best way to get compliance out of people was to create a pandemic, a food shortage this time, and force the civilization's to do what they wanted. Folks, we're becoming the Indians. We need to know that. There'll come a time when the government doesn't like certain groups of us, maybe those of us who don't wear masks, <laughs> maybe those of us who go to church. Somebody told me this morning that Facebook was going to start cutting churches off of, I don't know, it may, our days may be numbered to be able to stream on Facebook, I don't know. You know, the governor of California, he's already tried to cut off singing in church. So, Jan, been nice knowing you. I'll come visit you in prison. All right. Yeah, exactly. Some of us not mentioned any names, but the back table have been there before. Vicki Hughes. <laughs> <laughs> So I had a birthday wish 
this week. It said simply, happy birthday from the midgets. And I thought, well, it don't take a long, uh, drawn-out process to figure out who that was from. That was pretty creative. I thank you for that. I got, I got a good chuckle out of it. That made turning 50 just a little bit better this week. What was that? Oh, was it? It won the internet. Okay, well, good. <laughs> but isn't that sounding so familiar? Let's create a crisis. We're going to kill all the buffalo, and then they'll have no choice but to submit. Kind of sounds like what's going on today, doesn't it? Whether they created the crisis called COVID or not, they're taking advantage of it. My wife went into Walmart two days ago. And all I can say is thank God I wasn't with her. Because a man decided to cut her out along with another family who had a small child in a basket and yell at them for breaking the law because they weren't wearing masks and called them nothing but a bunch of law-breaking a-holes. Preacher or not, I'd have gotten violent over that deal. I would have. I'm just telling you right now, guys. Those of us who don't comply with what the government wants us to do are going to be the uncivilized savages of this century. It's coming. We're that close. We're already seeing verbal abuse. We're that close before somebody comes up and decides to get physical with somebody over this issue. And things are going to turn around real quick. And I don't know if there's any way to undo what's being done and what's been done. I just pray to God that he gets us out of here before it gets too bad. Revelations chapter 13, verses 15 through 18. This is the story of how Satan got thrown out of heaven. The second beast was given... Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Revelations chapter 12, verses 7 through 9. And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. The dragon and his, the dragon and his angels waged war, and they were not strong enough, and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceived the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. If you guys have got any illusions that Satan dwells in hell today, you're wrong. He'll be bound there in the end, according to Scripture. But today, he dwells right here on earth. The beast, as Revelations calls it, is here and has been ever since the beginning of mankind. He was in the garden. He's here now. How do we know this? Well, we see the effects of him being here. How do you know the wind's blowing? You see the effects of it, right? You can't see the wind. Oh, you might see a dust storm kick up. That's the dust being carried by the wind. That's, again, the effects of wind. Right now, I see the turbines blowing on that greenhouse over there. I don't see the wind, but I see the turbines moving, so I know it's here, right? See, that's what I say about the Holy Spirit. That's how we know the Holy Spirit's here. We can feel his presence. We can see the effects of the Holy Spirit, things that he does. I see the work of the Holy Spirit in this church over and over again. 
When you have 78 children show up with 50 horses and nobody dies, the Holy Spirit has had a hand in that. And oh, by the way, when 20 of those 70 children make a commitment to Jesus and 15 of them take the, the, the plunge in the, the tank and get baptized, you know the Holy Spirit's doing something. We can see the effects of the Holy Spirit. If you don't think Satan is here, you're not looking. Watch the news. You'll see the effects of Satan. Watch what's going on in the world. Oh, we want to put babies on ice until mama decides whether to keep them or not, and then we'll either kill them or let them live. That's not God's handiwork, I can assure you that. That's not the kinds of things that the Holy Spirit does. That's the work of Satan. That's happening. That's been happening. Satan has been present here ever since the garden. So let's just realize that. So in Revelations chapter 13, 15 through 18, when we see it referring to the beasts, we know that these beasts are Satan or Satan's angels that were cast out of heaven to be here with him. The second beast was given power to breathe the image of the first beast. To give breath, excuse me, was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast. So that the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. Wow. Kind of the same predicament the Indians were in. Comply or be killed or starved. It also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads. So they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. The number is 666. So Satan is going to work, is working, but is going to continue to work through his followers, to push people of God into a position of surrender. That's what he's trying to do. Just like the Indians were pushed. The Indians did not have to buy anything. They would go out and gather and they would go out and hunt. This valley is covered in edible plants. We think there's a lot of elk and game in the area now. It was nothing compared to what it would have been like back then. They didn't have to buy these things. They went out and took what they needed. So their ability to do that was hampered when the troops came in and started killing off all the buffalo. And they probably did something along the same lines over here to force them out. See, folks, we're becoming the Indians. I saw, and I know as a preacher I'm not supposed to watch it, but I don't care. I like to watch Yellowstone. And I think it was the first episode the little Indian girl was talking about how they're having a fight to keep the very land that her ancestors were driven off of. And she said, now you've become the Indian. And that's kind of hit home with me because it feels like that's exactly what we're becoming. Those of us who are unwilling to comply are going to be put into an uncomfortable situation. Those of us who accept Jesus are going to be put in an uncomfortable situation. Anybody here ever heard of George Santayana? Santayana. Santayana. George was a Spanish-American philosopher. 
And he's the one who penned the phrase, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. Those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. And then he goes on to say, and history is nothing but assisted and recorded memories. How many of you have memories of the Civil War? This morning, Betty Hayes was in the church, and I said she's the only one that can remember the Civil War. Not a single hand was raised. But what we know about the Civil War is what we were taught because it was recorded, right? How many of, is there anybody here who can remember World War II? Nobody. Oh, Jim can remember World War II. Did you fight in it? Oh, good. I didn't think you were that old. Very few of us can remember that. But what we know about it has been from recorded history, right? When you stop being able to remember history, we are condemned to repeat it. So do you think that it's any coincidence that our historical monuments are being destroyed right now? You think that's by accident? What in the world possibly would a group that thinks Black Lives Matter want to tear down a statue of Abraham Lincoln for? Because he was a pretty good advocate for colored Americans, I think. It's not about that, folks. It's about removing our recorded memories. Why? So that history can repeat itself. And the process has begun. We need to know that. We are the Indians. Anyone who doesn't comply will be removed one way or another. That's what they want. How do I know this? Well, let's go to Matthew chapter 24, verses, verse 21. Anybody who wants to learn more about what's coming in the end days, you need to start, not in the book of Revelation, not in the book of Daniel. Both of those books are pretty hard to, to understand. If you're going to read them, I, I, would, I would recommend that you pray to God for wisdom and clarity because it, it can be confusing. But Matthew chapter 24 and Jesus' words are pretty darn plain, just pretty darn plain. In chapter 21, it says, and I'm going to read now from the New American Standard Bible. I usually read from the NIV. There's a little bit of difference in the way the wording is, and I chose this for a very specific reason. The NIV would say, for there will be a great distress. The New American Standard Version says, for there will be a great tribulation. It's important to read that word because we hear about the great tribulation that is to come. To the best of my knowledge, this is the only place in the Bible you will find this topic discussed using the words great tribulation. Jesus says there will be a time of great tribulation such as not occurred since the beginning of the world now or ever will. Think about that. What will that be like? Imagine how bad Nazi Germany was to Jews. How bad that was. That was a tribulation. Don't think it wasn't. Those people were gathered up all over Europe. 
loaded into train cars, sent to concentration camps, starved, abused, and killed, slaughtered by the thousands upon thousands, either in gas chambers or they would simply line them up along a big pit that they would dig and put a firing squad on them and lay them out into the, into the trenches and then bring in another bunch. Now, that's a tribulation, folks. That's not something that we've really ever seen before. But what Christ is promising us here is that this tribulation to come will be worse. What could be worse than that? Well, let me tell you what's going on. Guys, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I have no theories. I'm not making any statements that I believe this or that is going to happen or that it's going to happen at a certain time or not. I'm not. God has put it on my heart to open my eyes and see what's going on in the world around us and then read his scriptures and find out how it pertains. And that's all I'm here to do. I want you guys to open your eyes. Why? Because there is so much deception going on right now in the world. There's so much deception in our media. It's hard to know what's really happening out there. But when you start looking and you start digging into things, all of a sudden, and you compare that to Scripture, and you compare that to history, you can begin to see what's going on. David E. Weiner is known in scientific circles as the father of DNA vaccines. The tag pays homage to his pioneering work over 30 years, but is also a reminder that his baby is still aborting. Right now, not a single human DNA vaccine has ever made it to the market anywhere in the world. And the technology is still rapidly evolving. So we all know what DNA is, right? We all have DNA strands. That's, that's part of our cellular makeup, our genetic makeup. That, that's what causes us. That's why Jim Cole is the way Jim Cole is. He's got all the right genes in all the right places to make him exactly what he is today. Same with me, same with you. See, our DNA is where we have our traits. Why does my daughter resemble me? Because of our DNA. She carries my DNA. Why do I look like my dad? Because I carry his DNA, so forth and so on. DNA vaccinations, which are so far not on the market, are coming. And what they do is they alter your DNA to correct whatever problem they're trying to correct. They insert modified DNA into your DNA strand to try to correct your flaws. Okay? That's what DNA vaccination does. This article was written in the Philadelphia Times recently. The pandemic may be the moment of truth. Genetic code vaccines built with DNA or RNA are strong frontrunners in the global race to develop an immunization against the coronavirus that has claimed nearly a half a million lives worldwide since it emerged in China seven months ago. See, they like to build that up. Nearly half a million lives worldwide. How many in seven months have drunk drivers taken worldwide? I guarantee you it's more. How many have the flu taken? 
How many have cigarettes taken, emphysema, cancers? I guarantee more than a half a million people have died from cancer in the past seven months. But yet this pandemic, they're using it to take advantage. This pandemic that, that just recently I read, if you take the worldwide numbers, the worldwide numbers of people who have had the pandemic, only 0.5, half of 1% actually die from it. 0.05, something like that. Math was not my strong suit. 0.5 of 1%, how's that? From what I understand, the flu takes 0.8 of 1%. Somebody told me just today that the Montrose County Coroner spoke at a rally yesterday and said that back in February he had several cases of heart attack, car accident, whatever the case may be, and he ruled the death, cause of death, heart attack, or injuries from a car accident, or whatever. But when the death reports came back from the state level, they had been changed to coronavirus. Why? Why would we want to inflate that number? Why? Slide of hand, something's going on, people. Let me tell you what's going on. Let me tell you what's going on. The pandemic may be the moment of truth. Let's see. They have created a pandemic out of something that probably shouldn't have been considered a pandemic. If the flu's not a pandemic, why is coronavirus a pandemic? If drunk driving is not a pandemic, why isn't the coronavirus a pandemic? Or let's go even further, opioid addiction. That's a big one right now. Why isn't that a pandemic? But they're using the pandemic to do things like try and force you to wear a mask. And the sad part is, a large portion of this country is going along with it. How many people have you seen wearing masks this week, ever since our governor? I'm not going to say what Donnie calls him. I can't do that from the pulpit. I'm sorry. I, can't. I, I thought about it. I thought about it. You thought I was going to let it go, but I, I can't do it. I can't do it. If you want to know what Donnie calls him, talk to Donnie later. Comes out with an executive order that it's mandatory that everybody wears a mask, right? Well, I still haven't been wearing a mask, and so far I haven't been accosted like my wife was. She was called a lawbreaker. Since when does a governor get to make law? Anybody? Governor signs law. They, they sign state law after the law has gone through the process, starting out as a bill and moving its way through both houses, both chambers, House and the Senate. And once it's passed, it, be, it, it goes to, to the governor to become a law once he signs it. But he doesn't get to invent it, and he certainly doesn't get to say by executive order, this is law. Doesn't work that way. If it does, then why doesn't our president, by executive order, because of the coronavirus, 
change the law and say we're not going to have an election this year. Would everybody accept that? I guarantee they wouldn't. It'd be in the stinking courts that fast. And I guarantee you the Supreme Court would strike it down. I wish he would simply to set a precedent. Because he has as much right to make an executive order as a governor does, maybe more. But when the governor's executive order suits what everybody's trying to push towards, then it's law and it's okay. But if it doesn't, well, then ignore it. The double standard is sickening, people. Something's going on. I watched a video. Oh, wait, before I start on that, let me go back. In his book, The Good Gene, How Faith is Hardwired into Our Genes, Dean Hammer argues that a variation in the VMAT2 gene, that's V-M-A-T-2 gene, plays a role in one's openness to spiritual experiences. I think the Holy Spirit plays a bigger role, by the way. But they have researched this and believe that they have isolated the gene that makes Christians believe in God. Not only that, that makes fanaticals fanatical. Why would they spend millions of dollars in that research? Tell me that. Why would somebody even think to research that? Unless they had an agenda. Kind of weird. Then I watched a video this morning. <coughs> made in 2005. 15 years ago. Of Bill Gates. Presenting to the Pentagon. How it would be possible. To vaccinate religious fanatics. Such as those found in the Middle East. To kill the VMAT to gene and make them less fanatical for the greater good I'm sure right we'll get rid of all those Muslim fanatics for the greater good and we'll get we'll get all Americans on board with that right they even have a name for the vaccination called the fun vac fun vax the long term is fundamentalist vaccination they are going to Vaccinate people for fundamentalism, if I said that right. It's a genetic vaccination, by the way. They inject this into you, and it kills the VMAT2 gene, therefore killing your ability, they think, to have faith in God. In 2005, this was presented to the Pentagon. Now, I will say in all fairness and openness... Reuters, which is a very reputable press company, right? Not. Came out and said that the video was false. So take it for what it's worth. I watched a, a video that Steve Garrison sent me of a medical doctor talking about this genetic vaccination that's coming down the pipe. Not only is there genetics out there that can change your DNA code, they've also experimented with 
inserting some type of metallic coppers and aluminums and such that go into your brain and actually can allow you to be programmed to alter your mental state. Why would you experiment with something like that? They've also experimented, which we've always heard, with crossing human DNA and animal DNA for various reasons. Supposedly, that's never been allowed in the United States. But guys like Bill Gates, they can pay for that to be done in third world countries. And there's some evidence out there that maybe that's happened. The doctor said, at what point do you alter human genetics so far that the person is no longer human? Makes you wonder. Kind of makes you wonder. So here we have a pandemic that probably shouldn't have been a pandemic and a race for the cure. The cure or vaccinations normally take decades to get from conception to human use. But because of the pandemic, they're bypassing all of that. And they're talking about within just a matter of months. Without all of the testing, without all of the scrutiny, without all of the, the proper procedure, they're racing towards this cure because this pandemic is so deadly that a half a million people worldwide is going to die from it or has died from it. But they don't seem to care about the millions that die from alcohol-related traffic incidences or alcohol abuse or drug abuse or, well, that's not important enough to rush a drug through for. Tell me something's not going on. People, I don't believe in co co uh, coincidences. I don't. So if you want to imagine a tribulation that could be worse than what we saw under Hitler, imagine this. Imagine this. If you were to go out here along the ditch bank and find wild mustard growing, that stuff grows out here, right? You see that yellow wild mustard? It's a weed. But let's say you chose to harvest the seed from that wild mustard and try to market it. That's fine. I don't know if there's anything that can stop you. But you cannot get a patent on that seed. Not the wild version, not the undisturbed version of that. You cannot get a patent on it. And when I say a patent, I want you to understand there's companies out there, and I'm just going to say Monsanto is one of them. I come from the Midwest. We raise a lot of grain, a lot of soybeans, and a lot of corn back there. And back in our country, and you'll see it in this country too, where you'll have a field, and it'll have a number on a stake in, in, in that field. That number is the number of the seed type used for that field. My best friend, he farms about 4,000 acres of crop ground in Missouri. And they use Monsanto seeds. And there will be a number here and there will be a number in this field where they've chosen different seeds for its different characteristics for different soil types or different environments. Those seeds all began with a natural plant that God created, obviously. Corn would have been grown, growing wild somewhere. And those seeds were taken and they were modified. 
They were genetically modified. Olathe sweet corn. John, somebody help me with his last name. John Carroll. Harold? Harold owns the patent for the seed corn for Olathe sweet. He designed that. He genetically modified the seed to get the desired, and I love Olathe sweet corn, guys, but to get the desired result. And he owns the patent. He gets paid off of every year of corn grown in this valley with his patent on it because he owns the genetics. You cannot patent a unmodified gene of any kind. But you can, in fact, patent modified genetics. For instance, my son is a geneticist. He, is a, he has got his doctorate's degree in poultry genetics. He lives in Arkansas. Tyson Foods is in Arkansas, and Tyson owns the genetics to the birds that they raise that we eat that are Tyson birds. No one else is allowed to raise a Tyson bird. That genetics is owned by them, and all the different farmers have them. The guy up here in Delta that raises the, the, the chickens for the uh, fly tires, he owns the genetics for those birds. Genetics that have been modified can be owned. Don't think for one minute that genetic vaccinations are not owned. And the genetics that are being put into your body will be owned. And Bill Gates owns a lot of them. The Gates Foundation and their multiple different companies. If you don't believe me, research it for yourself. I'm not just making false claims. I've looked into this stuff. So, they know that there is a way to vaccinate Christianity out of people. And it's through DNA vaccinations. What do you think's going on? I don't have to be a conspiracy theorist. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that's what's going on. I'm just looking at what's happening in the world and asking the question. But I'm intelligent enough to read the gospel. I'm intelligent enough to know that we've got something coming down the pipe. And we've got a tribulation coming down. And the tribulation will be Satan's wrath on God's people. And here we have people in the world currently actively trying to vaccinate you for your faith so that you no longer have it. They want to vaccinate God right out of you. Praise God the Holy Spirit can't be vaccinated out of anybody. I can promise you that. That's for certain. You know, Satan wasn't strong enough to defeat Michael. Michael's an archangel. God's even more powerful than him. And Satan couldn't whip Michael. Christ whipped Satan. They're not going to be able to vaccinate Christ out of existence. I can assure you of that. But that seems to me like what they're trying to do. So imagine a tribulation period where your DNA is no longer your DNA. It's owned by somebody. Therefore, you are owned by somebody. Just like John owns the sweet corn in the valley, you are now owned by somebody else. You're not totally your, your own. Let me think. I think there's a term for somebody who is owned by somebody else. Oh, yeah, slave. Do you think that it's an accident that any monument that might be of someone who owned slaves is currently being torn down? It's not because Black Lives Matter, people. That's the smoke screen. I want you to know that. 
It's because if they can rewrite history, we can forget our past, we are condemned to repeat it. That has been proven over time. It's been proven over time. How many of you women have had more than one child? God has placed in you the ability to forget childbirth. He has. Guys are smart enough that if we go through something like that once, we're not going to get ourselves into that mess again. Most of us couldn't survive it in the first place. But you tend to forget, don't you, until you're on that table. When we forget our history, when we forget our past, we're condemned to repeat it. I see a lot of things happening. Imagine a tribulation where you're no longer controlled or owned by yourself because somebody has put DNA into your body that they own. DNA vaccination for the coronavirus is leading the, the, the pack right now. I'm going to tell you right now, today, no masks, no service. Tomorrow, no vaccination, immunization record, no service. Guys, it's coming. I'm not taking that vaccination. I'm not sure I'm going to take any more vaccination. <laughs> and I've all, you know, I'm not one of these religious fanatics who have gone along believing that doctors don't serve a purpose. But I'll tell you what, it's getting scary. It's getting scary what, they're, what people are trying to do. Why in the world would you research how to vaccinate somebody for their faith? What would be the end game for that? Scary business. But we were promised, oh, I wanted, I wanted to go on. I don't believe in coincidences. In Daniel chapter 12, verse 9 through 10, Daniel has just asked God, I don't understand the meaning of the words that I've written about his end-time prophecy, about the 77s and so forth. He said, I don't understand it, God. Can you help me with this? And God says, go on your way, Daniel, for these words are concealed and sealed up until the end time. Many will be purged, purified, and refined, but the wicked will act wickedly, and none of the wicked will understand, but those who have insight will understand. There's a lot of theologians beginning to change their theology as it pertains, pertains to end times. And, and Steve was telling me about one that he's been studying quite a bit, who has always been a pre-tribulation rapture guy, who, like me now, has turned from that. Because I believe the words of God are being opened up in such a way that when we read what's what God has written, and we see what's going on in the world, the picture is becoming a little more plain. It's happening. Those words are being unsealed because I believe we're nearing the end. I don't know how long. It could be decades yet, but all I know is we're nearing it, and things are changing, and things are happening. Imagine. Look at what has happened in the past four months. Look at what our country is. Now we've been divided over whether you wear a stinking mask that does nothing, probably more harm than good, but we've been divided over that. And we're fixing to have some civil unrest over it. And if I'd have been in Walmart two days ago, we'd have had some in Walmart. And I thought we were going to have some in the parking lot of the Dead Gum Hardware store this afternoon because a guy came up to me and proceeded wearing a mask to talk about why I didn't wear a mask. And I thought, okay, here we go. And he said, you don't wear a mask because you've got a health condition, right? You've got a health condition, right? I said, yeah, my health condition is I can't stand that no-count governor we got. And I thought, okay, now if he attacks me for this, I'm going to go at him. But he says, I don't like him either. 
So we were good. We're living in scary times. I don't want anyone to be deceived by all the deception that's going on in the world. So my call today is this. We'd be better be willing to forget what we thought we knew about the end times and look at what's going on around us and what's happening around us. Otherwise, we might be deceived along with the rest of the world. We were promised in Revelations that the wicked would be wicked and they wouldn't see, but the ones who had insight would. So my call tonight is this. Pray for insight. You know, I've prayed for a lot of things over my years. Prayed for a mini bike when I was eight. Got one when I was 48. Church gave me one for Christmas one year. I've prayed for wealth. I've prayed for all types of things that I've never received. But God will give you the things that he needs you to have. And he needs you to have insight. He needs you to have understanding. So pray for that, and I can assure you, you'll get it. Do not be deceived by what's going on. There is a whole lot of sleight of hand happening. Watch what's going over here and don't pay attention to what's going on over here. That's going on in the world today. Don't be deceived. I don't think we can receive the mark of the beast by accident. That's going to be an allegiance that we have to, to swear to the, to the Antichrist, and I hope we're gone by the time that comes down. I don't think wearing a mask is the mark of the beast, and I really don't think even... The vaccination will be the mark of the beast. I don't. But on the other hand, you don't know what they're putting in that vaccination. Nobody does because they're not doing the proper testing on it. They're not doing the trials. They're not letting it look and see what happens over the long term. And if the technology is out there to program you to be something different than you are, I want no part of that. I'm not saying it's the mark of the beast, but I would advise you to be cautious. Don't be deceived. Pray for insight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this evening, and we do. I pray for insight for not only myself, but for each and every one of us in here, Lord, that we'll be given wisdom to see what's going on around us and not be fooled by Satan and his followers. Lord, I just pray that you be with each and every one of us. Bring us back here next week. Pray that you be with us as we go to our fellowship time. Pray that you bless the food to the nourishments of our bodies. In Jesus' name. never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you'd like to but you're not really sure how, please feel free to email us at circle3podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's circle, the number three, podcast at gmail.com. We would love to help you out. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and click follow. That way you never miss a message. Cowboy churches are the fastest growing in the nation, so there's sure to be one near you if you'd like to try it out. Have a great day. See you next time.